listening to Chill Spot Radio. Mental health, especially amongst people of color, has long been stigmatized, inadvertently keeping our people from accessing and reaching mental well-being. This podcast aims to transform stigma into strength. Your hosts work in the mental health field, bearing in their experience within the mental health profession. We thank you for your time in this brave space. The uh, verdicts for um, Derek Chauvin, um, as well as the uh, McMichaels and uh, the other gentlemen uh, involved in the murder of Ahmaud Aubrey. both positive verdicts, uh, at least in regards to for um, African Americans, um, and most recently, um, we've had uh, the confirmation, at least in the Judiciary Committee of Kentucky Brown, or I guess future Supreme Court Justice Kentucky uh, Brown, um, and. Uh, last weekend or the weekend before last, uh, what everybody has been talking about and frankly probably tired of hearing, particularly uh, people's opinions um, on Will Smith and Chris Rock situation. Uh, be interesting to hear, uh, Dr. Lipscomb, since uh, kind of an expert working with black males uh, around uh, all this that's been happening, um, how you think it has continued to uh, affect us mentally, uh, or mental wellness, uh, how this plays into everything we've been dealing with all our lives, but particularly these last two years. Absolutely. Yeah, so much as you were recounting the different things over the, the past year since we've been off, um, it's a lot, you know, it's a, it's a lot that's, that's been going on. I think with the Ahmad Arbery and um, Derek Chauvin, uh, the trial in the case, I think on, on, on one hand, it, it was great in that we're seeing some form of, of justice, although um, some can argue that it's been late at, at arriving, but nonetheless, seeing some justice regarding those two, two popular big um, incidences that happened resulted in the murder of George Floyd and the murder of Ahmaud Arbery. So that's been great. I think one of the things that, and I'll say this now before we get into more recent current events, one of the things that is not being done is the amount of uh, healing because of the trauma that Black men specifically, since that's my line of of research, have been subjected to, exposed to. And so while it's great that there is justice, uh, we're starting to see some of that, right, play out with those Mm -hmm. two trials, uh, verdicts, there still needs to be healing. There still needs to be healing on a more macro level for everyone. And I think coupled with the pandemic, in, in everything that we've experienced over the past two years. What we're seeing now, it's only the beginning of the mental impact that it has had on our culture, on our society, on the world, you know, in, in different degrees, um, depending on the extent to which they were disrupted by it. But, but those are some of the more recent, <clears throat> as far as thoughts that I'm having in, in reflecting back on that. 
before we go forward, can you explain what healing looks like? Uh, I think it, we hear it a lot in pop psych, pop culture, um, but sometimes I don't know if people know what healing actually is or looks like. Yeah, you know, the, the example, not example, the way I like to talk about it is when you're able to work through things that you've experienced so that you're not carrying it anymore to the same degree in which it's weighing down on you um, and in other ways in life, right? And so if we think about when people say, oh, I've gotten over it, I've moved past it, I've gotten over it. And I think what they're saying is, is absolutely true. We, we learn how to get over something, but we haven't worked through it. Like we haven't gone through the work through to, to get to the healing part. And so you can get over something, but still not be healed from it. When there's healing, there is a resolution. There is um, uh, a freeing so that you don't feel captive to that experience, psychologically speaking, emotionally speaking, when there's healing around it. And I think sometimes people think that um, healing is forgiving. Healing it does not require to forgive, to heal. You can mm -hmm. heal, but not forgiving someone for what they did that impacted your trauma or caused your trauma. You could have understanding and empathy for someone, mm -hmm. right? And why they did it. But I don't think the, the, the forgiving part is necessary to heal. I think that's a better way of saying it. It is not necessary to forgive in order to heal which is different, I think, than holding grudges. I think sometimes when we hear about people needing to forgive, I hate when people say that you need to forgive that person, you need to forgive. And I don't think you need to hold, um, I don't think you need to hold animosity and resentment, but I do, do not think you automatically need to uh, um, forgive someone in order to heal. And so I know that's a, that's a controversial thing to controversial thing to say because many folks uh, argue differently. But I am a strong believer in that. There's many people that I've worked with where they they have quote unquote healed or healed enough is the way I like to think about it too. Right. But they didn't necessarily forgive the folks that have caused them harm. Right. I <clears throat> I like I, I particularly like how you said you don't need to necessarily forgive but you can find empathy and understanding uh i think i've shared before that i'm big on self-disclosure so i here comes a, a disclaimer um i'll be self-disclosing but uh, or sharing personal experience um you know there was never really a, a moment for me to really just forgive my father his absence and his alcoholism um but i have understood why he was sad, angry, um, why he couldn't get over it. Um, and I empathize because as a black male, I know that there must've been extremely hard for him and there weren't that many resources and there was already life weighing down on him as a black man. Um, as he is soon to transition um, with brain cancer, it is, uh, you know, we had a moment when I went to go visit him and it wasn't just about forgiveness, but just about making peace about that we'd never had what we could have had. Um, and there wasn't a need for any type of forgiveness because I don't I have no hate, animosity. Um, 
And so I like how you say that because yeah, I've heard heard the same thing that people say you need to forgive. Um, and I think that sometimes it's just it's it's more than that. We aren't on the playground. I didn't get hit with the ball and deciding whether to forgive this person for this accident or not. This is deeper than that. It's a lot more complicated. Absolutely. One, I just respect you so much for for sharing that and, and disclosing that. Uh, I think that's powerful for, for many folks who are listening uh, regarding that. And I, I think you said something else that's important for me to highlight and reiterate is that closure. Another way to think about healing is that you can get closure around things. And again, you don't have to forgive to get closure, right? You can receive closure and still be like, I don't forgive you for not being there, but I understand what, what happened. Uh, I have closure around the situation, et cetera. And absolutely. So I, I think that's important that, that you could do that. I, I see this a lot in, in clinical spaces when I'm doing therapy with folks. And I tell them, I was like, no, you, that's not required. You don't have to heal. I mean, you don't have to uh, forgive, right. right? In order to go through your healing, healing journey. And I think it's important too, that we get to, we can only heal enough. And I've said this in one of the earlier episodes, as much as the stuff outside of our control is happening to us. We think about racial injustice and mm. anti-Blackness and stuff like that. Like we can't heal if that is still happening to us. So we can heal to a certain degree, to a certain point to keep functioning, to keep living our lives and not get overwhelmed emotionally and psychologically by the meso-macro things that are happening that are impacting us. Absolutely. Um, which kind of like segues us into what we were, or uh, the other issues that have happened since, you know, started one not too long ago. Uh, and I'm sure sure uh i'm just not thinking of all the other things that happened in between our last episode and now um there is no shortage of uh, antonio brown see um uh, kind of going off and people talking about his mental health um but what uh do you believe um or your thoughts on the um Academy Awards situation and um, how healing enough has anything to do with that? Well, let me say this. There, there are so many, there are so many conversations to be had regarding what we saw transpire at the Academy Awards a couple of weekends ago. And I think that's that's fair. I think there needs to be multiple conversations because it Absolutely. wasn't one thing per se, right. right? And and so I appreciate, you know, silver lining it. I appreciate the the conversations that are coming out of, of what we saw Will Smith do to Chris Rock. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I say to to my students when when I'm when I'm teaching specifically like human behavior, I say the bigger the behavior, the deeper the wound, right? The bigger the reaction, the deeper the wound. And I know that for him to, to react that way, there's gotta be some stuff deeper that's, that, that's rooted in that to do that kind of grand negative gesture, if you will, 
on on national television that was seen globally and and so it begs the question what's happening what what has happened that that allowed for this i think one of the other things i appreciate about this happening is that it showed that we are not doing well as a society maybe something that would have been laughed off in 2019 is not something right now in 2022 that someone's gonna laugh off, right? So that, that's one way to look at it. I think another way to look at it is that we are learning how to be in spaces in person together again after being on this kind of separate break, safer at home orders for two years. Right. And so you have that coupled with re his relationship, coupled with um, their their past couple of years in their relationship being public and all that like you have all these things stirred up toxic masculinity like you have all of that stirred up the perfect storm I think another thing I was saying to uh, someone else was at what point do we get to say we don't want to be a part of jokes in general in our culture there is no Get, I, I don't want to be talked about, right? Like you, you just do it, you know, it's part of the fun or whatever, how people say, but you don't get to say, I don't want to be a part of the joke. And while I agree that he should not have gotten up there and, and slapped uh, Chris Rock, I do think that he should have had a conversation with him. Um, but again, like I said, mo multiple conversations that comes out of, of this incident that's important. I think the other part that people weren't ready for is uh, women talking about specifically uh, that's what they appreciated is that he was protecting his his wife, right? right, and, right. and doing that. I think our society wasn't ready for that. I think there was this expectation that violence of any kind is not acceptable. Blah, blah, blah. But again, it's, it's more nuanced, right? Than that for, for many folks. And I was watching this on the news. They were talking about uh, the incident and they said, depending on who you are and your experiences, that's what you saw. That was the prism by which you saw the behavior, right? So it, it reminds me of this quote that myself and Dr. Ashley uses when we do like cultural humility trainings. It's by um, Anais Nen. And it, it says something along the effects as, you don't see people as they are, you see people as you are. And so you saw that Will Smith, Chris Rock, Jada Pickett Smith incident based on who you were and your experiences. And that's how you interpret the behavior based on who you were, which I thought was powerful too. Well, first off, uh, I love her as an author, read like almost all her books, interesting. <laughs> uh, never heard that quote or maybe I have it, one of your trainings. Um, but I agree with everything that you, uh, you said, and particularly around the conversations I've had. Quite a few patients ask me my thoughts on it, and my thoughts are simply always just that um, I believe that you know, the, the slap was indicative of something else or deeper, um, whether it is unresolved issues of Chris Rock having been talking about his wife for many years, um, which is fair to be upset about that. But it's also important to have a conversation around 
um, the fact that we as a as a society get to decide what jokes are fair and aren't fair. And I have no problem with that discussion because I understand that there have been many of people who are the butt of a joke and they're the only ones not laughing. And that is not fun. Um, I don't necessarily think that the whole situation was about him protecting his wife and protecting black women, which I think are important things. Uh, but those two topics uh, are in certain scenarios. And yes, this being an academy, they both being celebrities with privilege and all of this, it was just a very different scenario. And I think a lot of it has more to do with this pain that even a black man at the top, like Will Smith, is still dealing with. And it just shows how important uh, this attempt to heal and the policies uh, and just what is happening is for Black people. Very true. The, the, the healing is, is important, you know, because you wouldn't respond that way if you addressed your own stuff that keeps coming up internally um, in, in, in that way, because in and of itself, it, it wasn't the joke in and of itself. I think it was the, the behavior and what it made uh, Jada Pickett Smith feel in the moment from what we saw, we don't know what her feelings were, but because when you saw, he was laughing initially, but he saw her response and he saw that she wasn't pleased with it. And so because she wasn't pleased with it, um, he responded based on, based on that experience in that moment. Yeah, which was a, a, a trigger. And I think he was operating out of a different level almost. And um, I find that that interesting, uh, but I think it's important to note that um, in, in like Antonio Brown, even at our height, uh, you cannot escape these uh, past traumas. Um, you can't just get over them. No, it keeps coming up. It keeps presenting itself until you resolve it. And now I'm interested to go back and, and not go back, but read his book um, because of that. I didn't I didn't read it prior to that. But now I'm like, I'm intrigued, you know, like clinically. I'm like, I, I, I want to hear more, which also doesn't again. It doesn't excuse the behavior, but it gives you understanding around behavior. Absolutely. Um, I was thinking thought the exact same thing uh, last year when I saw his book came out was very indifferent about it uh, not that interested in and I'll admit I didn't look up to see what it exactly was about other than an autobiography I just wasn't that interested in a celebrity's autobiography or yet another um, but now I'm extremely curious to read it um, just to have some more insight into possibly what he could have experienced through life that would um, allow him to be that vulnerable. Yeah, and yeah, th that action, that behavior that he engaged in was all him. That wasn't Jada. That was yeah. all him, right? 
and I, oh, I yeah. think 100%. he needed to do. I think a part of it was probably overcompensating for laughing at the joke initially too. I think that was one component of it, in addition to other components. Um, and so that was him needing to respond in such a way. Again, he knows his life. He knows he's being recorded. But that react that that instinct, right? That reactivity around it um, became important to him at that time and moment, which was unfortunate. Now we're seeing the the ramifications, right? Um, yeah. Now, what Netflix just shared that they're not going to be streaming the movie that he's going to be featured in on their platform, which is a whole nother issue in itself conversation to be had um mm-hmm. is that punishment warranted um well i think you know another thing going back to reflection of who we are as a society at this day and time we are very reactive too yeah and we live in a cancel culture and when we cancel people we don't allow room for their their healing we don't yes. at, le- at least in front of us like they, they can definitely heal behind the scenes but i think in front of us we don't see that nor do we see how to have critical dialogue conversations that's the part that gets left out and that's the part that we need to we need to see people need to see how do you have conversations when you mess up how do we have critical accountable conversations so that we are growing, evolving, and learning. And I think that's the piece that gets left out of a lot of these situations is we don't get to see that. Well, and we need here, that to be modeled. Here is a challenging question for you, not to put you just on the spot. Uh, and so like in, in clinical work, I'll say, if you don't have the answer right now, maybe we'll <laughs> I'll do it in the next episode. But um, looking at that, uh, Anais Nin um, quote, how do we have those conversations if we're all experiencing things um, based off of who we are? I think that, that's the first acknowledgement. We have to acknowledge that we're all starting at different places based on who we are. That's first and foremost. I think after we acknowledge where we're starting from, and different places that we're starting from. I think the second thing is we have to be able to listen to each other and not listening listening to the point of dispelling, uh, not listening to the point of arguing, defending, but listening to the point and the degree where we can grow and evolve. You know, I think that's what needs to take place. Asking a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm just saying that based off of how I see conversations happening all the time, whether that is on social media, uh, on television, um, there's hardly uh, an acknowledgement that of who we are and how our perspective and where we currently are in life is going to affect the way we see or in our experiences is going to affect certain situations. Absolutely. And again, I think as we continue, the dog got excited. I think as we continue to move through this time, we're going to see more behaviors that are concerning. 
because you can't go through what we went through from 2020 to now. No healing, nothing around that, right? And expect people to just be okay. Again, that's not, that's not going to work. People, we as a culture and society need to invest in our collective healing together. How, how would you go about doing that? Well, I think there's a couple of ways in which we do this. I think one, we think about the resources and, and the money that was put towards like COVID, mm-hmm. right? I think we need that. And we're seeing some of this too, towards mental health. I think we need that in, in the direction of mental health, which we are seeing some of that play out too. I think also there needs to be this collective language in, around healing. Uh, I think we need to practice grace and space with each other. Yeah, I think I think just like we had uh, social distancing became part of the, the language. And I think just like uh, vaccine and boosters and all of that, like we need to have a healing vernacular. Mm-hmm. We need to have mm-hmm. a healing culture, just like we do with other major events. Again, taking the pandemic as, as one, because we're going to, it was a radical, um, disruptive event and we're going to need a radical disruptive way of healing too equal to if not more than the way in which it happened to us beautifully said um i did see um i might be trying to look this up but uh i believe that the bill is going through that is going to create a specific portal for um, LMFTs and LCSWs and um, CITES and uh, clinical psychologists uh, and LPCCs or just therapists um, to be reimbursed through Medicare. Um, And usually all states kind of follow Medicare's lead when it comes to uh, Medicaid or slash Medi-Cal and hopefully then insurance companies kind of making it easier. I think that is a great barrier in general. Um, And so we're talking about this great healing. Now I'm not holding my breath um, for any like great language around (laughs) all this healing, but uh, there are little movements happening. There are, I mean, I was, I was having this conversation yesterday evening. Um, I was out in, in, at an event and one of the individuals I was speaking to, we were, I was saying how there has been a shift specifically in the black culture where I'm hearing more people talking about, oh yeah, I was telling my therapist, oh my therapist, blah, blah, blah. Whereas oh, yeah. back in the day, 20, 30 years ago, you were hearing white people talk about their therapists, right? And so I'm noticing that more Black people are um, having access or trying to get access to, to mental health and have a therapist. So I think that's also what is reassuring during this time is that folks were accessing mental health, um, people of color specifically who traditionally did not. I think the, the pandemic and everything that happened during that time frame, it forced people to have to pay attention to themselves and, and, and what was going on. Yeah, I definitely saw an increase as well. I've heard more people talking about it. Um, a matter of fact, 
today's Monday, yeah. Yesterday, I was wearing a t-shirt that I got for Christmas that says uh, therapy is for Black people. Um, and I got stopped in the street with comments about it um, in support of. Don't know if I would have believed that that would have happened five years ago. So there's definitely been a shift. Yeah, I agree with you with that. Major, major shift, which is which is great. I'm hopeful. You know, I, I am hopeful uh, of what the future holds. I think we are at a great time to not only as a profession to be able to provide that type of support and healing, but also for things to be done in a more creative, critically conscious, anti-racist way that folks weren't checking for a couple of years back that I'm finding more people are open to in, in doing that. Large institutions, which I appreciate. I don't think they recognize the magnitude of the work that's in store to truly commit to this type of work and healing in a, in a critical um, anti-racist way. But I think there has been some movements. I have a friend who was hired on by a very large company um, and to do the diversity, equity, and inclusion for them. Uh, he is a black male and we hadn't spoken in a while. Um, she lives on the East Coast. Uh, checked in yesterday, actually, matter of fact, and he mentioned uh, about the difficulty in that the company seemed to be ready. People believe they are ready. But when they see the actionable items, they pause. Um, okay. I think it's a lot to swallow especially when we're still trying to persuade a large pool of the population that they have benefited from white privilege uh -huh. and that doesn't make them bad. Um, when they hear that, they automatically think no, that's not me because I have a black friend and I've never said the N word and I've never done this or that. Um, as opposed to acknowledging that, yes, and I may lose a little bit now if I want equality or equity. I agree. I agree. I think that that's one of the things that we know gets people on board is financial money. You know, if it's going to impact the dollars and cents and it's going to impact them getting future monies and, and impact their business, then we see people follow suit and starting to, to get with, with the program, if you will, which is important. Yeah. I know that you were saying that you've seen an increase in Black people seeking mental health services. Where... Do you see um, you know, the future of social work and um, mental health services in general for Black people, uh, particularly around anti-racist work? Um, I know at CSUN, you know, we're trying to do that work, um, but what do you think that really looks like? So I think in the future, 
you're going to have folks who are going to do it and do it well and do it with a level of intentionality and, 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 and um, purpose. And I think you're going to have folks who are going to do it, but they're not going to sustain it. Then you're going to have folks who are just like, okay, I thought we were past that, right? I, I thought we did that in 2020, 2021, and 2022. And here we are going to be in 2025, 26, 27, so on and so forth. And you're going to see that. Um, so I, I think for social work, I think those who are wanting to do this work and do it to the degree that it is necessary at this date, I think they're going to do it and do it well. I think for those programs and institutions that are not, we're going to see a shift. They're, they're going to, they're, are only going to appeal to a certain type of student or applicant to come to those spaces and places because people are checking for things within institutions at a different way than they were before. And what they're checking for is accountability and critical consciousness. If I had to sum it up, I think it is what, what people are wanting because you have to be current with the times and you have to prepare future social workers how to come into this profession to be effective with people, right? And to address social justice issues. Well, uh, I am hopeful um, that we'll be able to do that or programs will be able to do that. I'm also hopeful that um, in these past two years, we uh, people have, uh, particularly Black people, have become more encouraged to seek um, higher education, and then maybe we'll see more Black social workers uh, out there uh, looking to to do this work. I, I'm hopeful too, and I believe that we will, and that we can thank 2020 for that too. Yeah. Yeah, I think it had a, a, a lot to do with it. Absolutely. Well, thank you all for uh, listening today as we're back. Um, look for uh, future episodes. Um, we won't leave you uh, hanging as long, uh, not nearly as long. Um, but until next time. All right, be well, everyone. Thank you for listening to Chill Spot Radio. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on our webpage at chillspotradio.com.